Hey there, it's Ryan Seacrest for Safeway. Now that spring is here, it's time to focus on self-care and revitalize your personal care routine. Now through March 26, head in store, shop for all your favorite personal care essentials, and earn four times rewards points. Shop for items like Crest toothpaste, secret deodorant, Old Spice deodorant, or Gillette razors. Offer expires March 26. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary. Visit Safeway.com for more details. Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together, we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hi, it's Gabby Reese, and this podcast is powered by Laird Superfood. It was created in our kitchen by my husband, big wave surfer Laird Hamilton, and it all started with a simple idea. What began as Laird's secret for long-lasting energy on the waves is now Laird Superfood, offering a full range of delicious plant-based creamers, coffee, greens, and more. Visit LairdSuperfood.com and use the code GABBY2024 and save 20% on your first order. Welcome to Car Stuff, a production of iHeartRadio. Welcome to Car Stuff, folks. Thanks for tuning in. I am one of your hosts, Ben Bolin. And I am Kurt Guerin. And like many of us out in the world today, uh, Kurt and I are recording remotely from our separate bunkers. Uh, <laughs> our good pal, the uh, Walter White to my Jesse Pinkman, Scott Benjamin, couldn't make it today, but is well and sends his regards. Kurt, I want to check in before we get started. How, how are you doing, man? How uh, how long have you been uh, in, in this lockdown stage? Um, I guess about three, three and a half weeks now. I've been well, though. Um, just hanging in there like many people out there. How about you, Ben? I've been, you know, I've been doing pretty well. I've actually uh, I've actually taken the habit of just getting out on the road just to get out of oh, the yeah. house. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not really... I don't really have a reason to go anywhere. I don't have because I'm I'm stocked up on everything I could need. But I've always loved road trips. I finally got a reliable vehicle <laughs> before all this stuff went down. And so, uh, for anyone familiar with the Atlanta area, our fair metropolis usually has terrible, terrible traffic. And I have been driving around 285, which is an interstate that encircles. Atlanta. I've just been driving around it and it's a it's a huh. great drive, dude, cuz there's never any traffic now. It, yeah, it used nice. it used to be notoriously busy and choked up uh and now you can just zoom on by. I would say I, I feel like we do have to point out if you are listening and you're in an area where you have been told that you cannot take any uh non-essential trips, then please abide by that to the best of your ability. Uh, but I haven't been stopped by anybody. You know, I haven't been like hot rotting or redlining anywhere, but it's <laughs> good to get out there in nature. I mean, I don't know if you if you all have been going on any hikes or anything. Oh, yeah, it's been very important for me, at least for my sanity to get out there and enjoy some of the spring weather, which I love so much. Um, but running in my neighborhood and going on walks and uh just trying to stay away from those purpose-built 
paths because I hear that people are all over those these days for some reason. Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, it's real strange, you know. I think I think we're learning just how much of a toll cabin fever can take on people. Mm-hmm. But as many folks have said, not just in our country, but abroad in Australia, in Europe, in in Asia, every country that's dealing with this current COVID-19 pandemic has said this at some point. We're all in this together. And this got you and I thinking about some tremendously impressive acts, both in the current day and in the past. So, Kurt, a little while ago off air, you and I were uh, were just kicking around ideas, just shooting the breeze. And we started talking about how I believe our conversation started when, when we were talking about how Tesla, the uh, electric car company run by Elon Musk, had pledged to start building ventilators to help with hospitals that were in short supply and to help uh, patients who needed these medical devices uh, so that they could get over the hump of infection, which can be, you know, can be quite dangerous. uh, But a, a medical ventilator is something that you wouldn't really expect a car company to build, even one that's a little bit more sci fi like Elon Musk, you know, because he's known for his crazy sci-fi ideas. Yeah, and let's rewind uh, several weeks ago when this thing was ramping up in the United States and Elon Musk came out on Twitter and said the coronavirus panic is dumb. Uh, That kind of rubbed people the wrong way. Mm -hmm. Um, Perhaps what he was saying was that panic isn't necessarily a productive reaction. So what he has decided to do is to use some of the minds that he has working for uh, him at Tesla to create ventilators that hospitals can use because there is a high likelihood that as this virus progresses that there will be a need for ventilators throughout the country. Mm -hmm. He has also been buying machines from other places where he can. He's been buying a less intrusive type ventilator known as a BPAP machine. And doctors in New York at Mount Sinai have been able to come up with a way to turn these into fully-fledged ventilators. They put out a 15-page instruction manual. And now other hospitals can use that manual to convert these types of machines over to uh, full-on ventilators as well. So all of this um, problem-solving and ingenuity is really exciting in a time when there's not a lot of excitement to be had. So I guess it can be said that Elon Musk is not panicking and he's doing uh, what he can to try to help. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, this is something that I was interested in because... Not being a doctor, not being a maker of ventilators myself, uh, I, like many people, was hearing this word thrown around on the news, and I, I didn't know what a ventilator was, and at first I didn't understand, other than having a factory, I, I, I didn't understand what Tesla could be doing to create these machines. Uh, but then once you learn what a ventilator is, it makes a little more sense. So a ventilator is a machine that provides mechanical ventilation. It moves breathable air in and out of human lungs. So it it essentially, it breathes for you. 
if you are unable to breathe or if you can't breathe well enough on your own. So instantly we can see how this could literally be a life-saving device for people. Now, Tesla at this point, as far as we can tell, their engineers have just made a prototype ventilator. But the cool thing, the really impressive thing is that this ventilator mainly uses car parts, mainly uses things they were already using, like the Tesla model's infotainment system. That's what controls the ventilator. Uh, the Model 3 touchscreen and controllers, that's also what you use as an interface. And the oxygen and air mixing, you know, that's something that cars need to do too. So it makes way more sense than you might think initially. And there's this pretty great YouTube video that walks through it that shows Elon Musk and the Tesla engineers talking about what they're using and how they're assembling these things to make working ventilators. Again, they don't have, you know, the hundreds of thousands of these out now, but the proof of concept is impressive, I would say. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And like you, and I'm sure many out there can relate to this, but um, the terms of the day seem to be changing. A month or two ago, I had no desire to learn what a ventilator was, and I didn't know what PPE stood for. I didn't know what herd immunity was. Mm -hmm. um, but now, as we become more immersed in this world of a pandemic, we uh, are becoming more familiar with uh, these types of medical terms and devices. And so I sketched out based on Tesla's description of what their ventilator is, kind of how it the air flows down the line. So you have oxygen that comes in through a hospital air supply that goes into a mixing chamber, which is a car part that Tesla has on hand. And then the air flows into a valve body that controls the air pressure. And then, um, then it flows through some sensors to, I guess, um, determine the mixture and the pressure of the air. Mm -hmm. Then it goes through a filter before it goes into the patient's lung. Mm -hmm. And then when uh, the carbon dioxide and air exits the lung, it goes through some more sensors and then to an exhale valve that throttles the pressure on the patient's lung. Now, all this got me wondering about Tesla's uh, credentials as far as, like, can they make these uh, precise medical devices. But then I thought about how they are a company that shot one of their cars into space on a rocket and they routinely return those rockets back to Earth, landing them on a pad in the middle of the ocean. So I suppose that they could probably find their way around the ventilator. That's that's a really, really great perspective, man. That's one I didn't think about, you know, because I, I have given Elon Musk his fair share of guff in the past and in past episodes of car stuff, because there have been times where, you know, he's been a real uh, shoot for the stars, land in the clouds kind of guy with his approach to things. Mm -hmm. uh, but he's definitely a visionary. And you're right. They did put a rocket into space. So hopefully they can put some air into lungs. What also interests you and I both about this and what we hope interests you listeners is that this is not the first time we have seen the auto industry do what's called a pivot, right? Tesla is just one example of some stuff we'll talk about in a few minutes, but we have to point out that this is not a new strategy. It is an extreme strategy, but the idea that an enormous auto manufacturer might be able to change their product 
to help for a greater good is a pretty old idea. As a matter of fact, if you look back to the era of World War II, here in the United States, the U.S. manufacturing of automobiles virtually halted from February 1942 to October 1945. They weren't making cars or, or trucks or semis or auto parts. As a matter of fact, they weren't doing this on their own initiative at first. The government had put in a, a freeze on this. The Office of Production Management on January 1st, 1942, they said every sale of every vehicle is going to be frozen and we're going to go on a case-by-case basis for people or entities that had, con- had a contract for delivery of a vehicle. Uh, if they had signed that contract before January 1st, we'll go case-by-case case to see if they can be delivered. And this is interesting. It ties into something else. The Office of Production Management, right? That was pre-existing. But in 1942, President Roosevelt creates something called the War Production Board. And for anyone who has nightmares of big government overreach, this is a crazy story. <laughs> Here's what they did. They, the War Production Board regulated all industrial production and all allocation of resources or fuel that could be considered war material. So they would coordinate heavy manufacturing. They would also have uh, a very high level of control over things like metal, rubber, oil, and they even put in wage and price control. So when all the manufacturers in the U.S. ended their production of automobiles, there in February 22nd, 1942, they didn't just, you know, mothball the factories. They started working on other things and they started working on things that I guess the best way to say it in most cases, they were building things you could not buy at your local dealership, right? <laughs> right, right. And I mean, you have to put it in a little bit of perspective too. So you have World War One. That was the war to end all wars. After that, you have the Great Depression. The U.S.'s military was 12th largest behind Brazil shortly before World War II. And it had the 18th largest Air Force, which the Air Force was you know, hugely important in this overseas battle here and on two different fronts, uh, World War II. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the auto industry, they made you know airplanes, bombs, torpedoes, helmets, tanks, jeeps, you know, that sort of thing. Stuff that's more in their wheelhouse. <laughs> All right. Um, And then uh, one of the famous examples would be uh, Henry Ford's Willow Run plant. It was in Ypsilanti, Michigan. Willow Run also developed this nickname, Will It Run, in the press because it Mm -hmm. had some issues getting up and running. But it was was an airplane manufacturing plant that manufactured the B-24 Liberator, the long-range bomber. And it got to the point where it could produce almost one per hour. And Henry Ford was behind all of that, kind of employed his assembly line techniques to plane manufacturing, and they pre-manufactured a lot of parts for the plane. And they had a crazy timeline, right? Ground was broken April 18th of 1941. Um, The building was dedicated in June 16th, 1941. They started making planes later that year. It took them a little while to get up to full capacity on this. As you can imagine, there's a lot of 
you know, planning and things like that. They were working with Consolidated Aircraft. They were the company that designed the plane. Henry Ford had engineers working out in California as well. They mm-hmm. produced five miles of drawings per day. So 30,000 drawings in total. And by the time they made it back to Consolidated, 10,000 of those drawings were obsolete. Wow. And Apparently, Consolidated also had some reworks along the way. So they would be calling up Willow Run from time to time, redirecting the plant to do things a certain way. Because also with these airplanes came some quality control issues. Mm-hmm. However, the mere fact they were able to, to switch over relatively quickly and make these gigantic airplanes on the scale that they did is very impressive, despite some of the, the issues they had with manufacturing along the way. It's tough to really convey the enormity of the change here, both in terms of speed and in terms of scale. So in April of 1942, while Willow Run is in action, these different representatives from the auto industry here in the States form something they call the Automotive Council for War Production. And the idea here was that these companies these private manufacturers who are usually competing with each other year over year, quarter over quarter, uh, they need to learn a new game. They need to figure out how they're going to share things with their former rivals. You know, who knows how to build this component best? It's not something maybe we would advertise to the public, but we all kind of You know, behind the scenes, we all know who makes the best version of this part, Mm -hmm. who has the best ability to mobilize their manpower, uh, who has the best line on things like steel and so on. Right. Who do we who can we work with? Who can we help? And they had to do this. This would not have happened without this extraordinary level of cooperation. Mm -hmm. I mean, just think about it almost like within days, maybe a week or so after production of all automobiles officially ceases, these factories are retooled at a frenetic rate. You know, these gigantic manufacturing machines have to be like literally jackhammered out of the concrete. And then you have to bring in these other equally huge machines to replace them. Mm -hmm. You got to strip all the conveyor belts. You got to take all the electrical wires you had hooked up, bundle them together as neatly as possible while in a devilish hurry. And then they just sort of tucked it up in the factory ceilings and they were trying to be optimistic like okay all right greg you're in charge you're the guy who rolled up the wires you got to roll them back down and, and put them in the right place when this is over and, and greg's like oh man i should have took better notes hey there it's ryan seacrest for safeway head in store and shop for all your favorite personal care essentials to earn four times rewards points shop for products from olay always gillette vix and crest plus check out new items like mr clean magic eraser ultra thick multi-surface cleaner no more sponges or other cleaning products needed and head and shoulders bare soothing hydration shampoo a new kind of anti-dandruff shampoo with only nine ingredients offer expires march 26 restrictions apply promotions may vary visit safeway.com for more details upgrade your home now at blinds.com's anniversary sale and celebrate savings up to 50 percent off premium window treatments for years to come shop for your house from the comfort of home for modern roman and woven wood shades shutters motorized options and more 100 percent online blinds.com invented the better way to shop 
No salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. You can do the measuring and installation yourself or have Blinds.com handle it. Unlimited windows for just one low cost. Our design experts can help you select the perfect styles to fit your home and your budget. Totally free. We'll even send you samples fast and free. At Blinds.com, you get upfront pricing with no hidden fees, free shipping, plus our 100% satisfaction guarantee. So raise a toast to Blinds.com and make this an anniversary sale to remember. Shop Blinds.com's anniversary sale happening right now for up to 50% off. Save up to 50% at Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Here's a question. Have you ever been prescribed a medication? Most likely, yes. Well, what about this question? Did you understand how it worked? The way your medication works in your body shouldn't be a mystery. Learn how Vivgard, Fgard Tigamod Alpha FCAB works by visiting vivgard.com slash MOA. That's V-Y-V-G-A-R-T dot com slash MOA. Brought to you by Argenix. And then even if they had parts that were not all the way finished, that were still in, in the stage of fabrication, they would be stopped, of course, that fabrication process or that assembly process. And these parts would be shipped off the steel mills and the steel mills would remelt the parts. And the thing that really got me is, you know, one of the biggest components of manufacturing is going to be the the dye that you use to fabricate auto parts. At some point, they decided that they would even take the dye they had used and they would send those to salvage to help with the war effort, which means that they were adding so much extra time onto whatever their process would be to become car manufacturers again. They went all in. It was nuts. Oh, by the way, around this time, uh, the government sets a national speed limit of 35 miles per hour. Boo! Ah, yes, the victory speed limit. So the government instituted this between May of 1942 and August of 1945 to reduce gasoline and rubber consumption. And they were also only selling cars out of the stockpile of pre-42 production to essential drivers during that time as well, from 42 to 45. Mm -hmm. So it's just, it's interesting to think about how the country completely shifted during that time. Even if you weren't in the military at war, you're at home. Like yeah. The landscape basically changed, you know, giant factories were being converted or even constructed. And all this on the heels of the Great Depression, people at home begin to see things start moving again and progressing forward in a way that they hadn't seen in years and maybe for a life for their lifetime like you said machines being ripped out of the floor new machines being placed into factories that used to build cars now they're building airplanes which um, you would think you would need a whole new building to go from cars to airplanes like in many cases i believe that's what, exactly what they did you need all the, you need a lot of space to roll a plane down an assembly line one might imagine, right? I, it, it's interesting because we have a lot of historical sources that focus on the big three during World War II. Uh, but we have to remember there are like nine other automakers in play, right? Yeah, like Nash and what, Studebaker? Yeah, yeah. So we've got um, Bantam, Packard, Studebaker, uh, Willys, Overland... 
Graham Page, Hudson, Nash, Kelvinator, Crossley. I mean, they. what we're saying is that everybody made their contributions. Now, of course, the luminary himself, Henry Ford, played a massive role here. But what's surprising about this, I'd like to kick some numbers for everybody in the audience here. When it was all said and done, the U.S. auto industry alone just the car makers of this country created 20% of the total U.S. output of manufacturing to fight in World War II, 20%. And the total value, we would say, of the, of the things they made is like well over $29 billion. Yeah, it's crazy. I guess that would be what they call the military-industrial complex. Or what became known as the military-industrial complex, this notion that conflict can fuel industry. Yeah, Eisenhower is the one who said, he called it the military-industrial-congressional complex ah. in his original speech. Yeah, it's important to say, these fellows weren't going broke doing this. It's a huge change, and it's profoundly inspiring that everybody was able to come together and support the country. Mm-hmm. But it's not like they weren't being paid to do so. They were getting enormous government contracts. And Ford wasn't exactly new to making aircraft. They had the Ford Tri-Motor, which was, um, well, not the most successful airplane ever, but... <laughs> it was it was no Model T. Yeah, no, right. <laughs> but, you know, it's not, it's not like they went fully in a different direction. It's something they had done before. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So they did have some more expertise, and it was very smart of them to partner with an aircraft designer, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it was strange because, you know, when you think about it, it makes it, it's logical to say, all right, let's have a auto manufacturer build trucks, build armored cars, build Jeeps, you know, even tanks. But I, I really appreciate that you're pointing out how brand new a lot of this manufacturing was, if not for Ford, for other players in the game. Because General Motors also built planes for the com for this conflict, right? Mm-hmm. And in addition to that, they weren't just assembling planes, they were also producing aircraft components, which again, outside of Ford, they had never really done. You can look at some of the stuff they've uh they've created. Uh, at the Virginia Museum of Military Vehicles over there in Noakesville, Virginia, you can see some of the tanks. Like, Buick built a tank. That still blows my mind. <laughs> Buick built the M18 Hellcat in Flint, Michigan. And it, it looks like a tank. It, I mean, it doesn't look like a Buick to me, but it's a Buick. Well, a lot of people referred to Buicks as tanks even uh, long <laughs> after the war. Right. Yes. I mean, that's a good point. And the thing about this, we have to remember is that regardless, like historians love to argue the what ifs about the great conflict of World War II, right? Like what if, what if um, event A happened a little earlier, a little later, you know, we know how close we were uh, to a very different outcome at times. But regardless of what kind of questions you want to bandy about with your fellow history buffs, the fact of the matter is that the U.S. owes a great deal of its success in World War II to the automotive industry. And it's a story that 
Kurt, I think you and Scott and I wish was was told more often. Um, and so all in all, just to get a sense of the scale here of how complete the switch was, uh, I want to point out that in 1941, more than 3 million cars were produced in the U.S. alone. During the entirety of World War II, they only made, the entire industry only made 139 more. Instead, it was all focused on this war effort. And that war effort, you know, um, as inspiring and as amazing as it is, it makes us wonder, you know, what what happened after the war? What happened uh, over there at Willow, you know? Willow Run itself, the, the plant, was run by Henry Ford's operation, um, but the government actually owned the building. So after the war, Ford decided not to buy the plant. I guess he figured he didn't need a millions of square foot facility that was tooled for making airplanes. So eventually General Motors actually ended up with it and they closed it in the 2000s. But like the building is torn down. You know, and you would think that there would be a museum or something, at least part of it. I think part of it is a museum called the Yankee Air Museum up there in Ypsilanti, Michigan. But I mean more of a museum dedicated to what it once was or the manufacturing feats that happened during that time period or something like that. But um, that is a lot of real estate to dedicate to a museum. I just get a little bit down when stuff gets lost to time. Yeah, agreed. I'm, 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 I'm sad that we've missed the chance, but uh, luckily, we know that historians and uh, car fans have not forgotten this amazing story. Hey there, it's Ryan Seacrest for Safeway. Now that spring is here, it's time to focus on self-care and revitalize your personal care routine. Now through March 26, head in store, shop for all your favorite personal care essentials, and earn four times rewards points. Shop for items like Crest toothpaste, secret deodorant, Old Spice deodorant, or Gillette razors. Offer expires March 26. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary. Visit Safeway.com for more details. Here's a question. Have you ever been prescribed a medication? Most likely, yes. Well, what about this question? Did you understand how it worked? The way your medication works in your body shouldn't be a mystery. Learn how Vivgart, Fgartigamod Alpha FCAB works by visiting vivgart.com slash MOA. That's V-Y-V-G-A-R-T dot com slash MOA. Brought to you by Argenics. Hi, I'm Laura Vanderkam. I'm a mother of five, an author, journalist, and speaker. And I'm Sarah Hart Unger, a mother of three, practicing physician, writer, and course creator. We are two working parents who love our careers and our families. On the Best of Both Worlds podcast each week, we share stories of how real women manage work, family, and time for fun. We talk all things planning, time management, organization, and more. We share what's worked for us and our listeners as we're building our careers and raising our families. We're here to cheer you on as you figure out how to make your days even more amazing. From figuring out childcare to mapping out long-term career goals, we want you to get the most out of life. Listen to Best of Both Worlds every Tuesday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Mm-hmm. 
And now, more than ever, uh, we see parallels with the current day. It turns out that as the world confronts the COVID-19 pandemic, like you were saying, Kurt, uh, the auto manufacturers of the planet are also taking a page from the U.S. auto manufacturers of World War II. And we're, we're seeing car makers pivot from making their typical, you know, their sedans or what have you, and trying to supply materials, expertise, logistics to countries uh, that need to, and hospitals, of course, that need to combat this infection. Uh, We mentioned Tesla because, you know, Tesla grabs headlines pretty easily, but there are a lot of other players in the game. And so we thought we would talk a little bit about different companies that are making heavy modifications to their own supply chain, heavy modifications to their manufacturing process and their factories to help fight this battle against this disease. As we tape this, it's April 9th, uh, 2020. So yesterday, news dropped that General Motors had been given a $489 million contract from the federal government as uh, part of the Defense Production Act to produce 30,000 ventilators for the federal stockpile by August. And according to the contract, 6,000 of those ventilators are supposed to be available by the end of May. Um, So that's just one of the things that has been happening. I know Ford and GM have also been involved with making personal protective equipment for doctors and hospitals like masks and face shields and things like that already um, just kind of on their own. Which is what PPE stands for. Correct, correct. It's one of those acronyms that's very of the times. You know, a month or two ago, I uh, had no idea what PPE stood for, and now I do. It's becoming a part of everyone's vocabulary these days. Yeah, and we know we know that other industries are at play here. Of course, Ford is assembling more than 100,000 plastic face shields per week as we speak. And it's it's leveraging uh, its 3D printing capabilities to make medical equipment parts that require a high level of manufacturing precision. Uh, they're also collaborating with 3M on what they call a powered air purifying respirator. Uh, it, they want to try to use off-the-shelf parts from both companies, essentially the stuff they just had laying around, to assemble these things and make make it uh, make the production process as fast as possible. And uh, like, like, for example, they're taking fans from the F-150 cooled seat apparatus and they're taking uh, HEPA air filters and then they're combining these with portable battery packs that 3M has already been making for a long time. We do have to point out, I know some people were uh, are probably going to ask about this, but the Defense Production Act does come into play here. Uh, GM is being paid, uh, but they're also being compelled through the Defense Production Act to make this. The Defense Production Act didn't come from World War II. It dates back to 1950, sort of a response to the beginning of the Korean War. And since 1950, it's been reauthorized a ton of times, like 50 times, more than 50 times. And this is... um, This is part of the government private industry 
team up, you know, picture them like different members of the Avengers and they're teaming up to take on their big bad, uh, their, their Thanos or their uh, Loki or whatever. And that is the coronavirus. Uh, we, really? <laughs> I don't know. It's not my best comparison. I'm working live here. Um, but we also see, for instance, that Mercedes is working to make positive airway pressure devices. And it took them a couple of days to figure out how to prototype this and how to test it. They made a hundred for testing within just a few days. And now they are all set to produce a thousand a day. So one thing that's amazing to me, and we've talked about this in the past on car stuff is just how powerful scale of economy can be when you are a large manufacturer, you know, like a, um, a, we, we talk about this with how, uh, how the auto industry in some cases emerged from people who were making bicycles or people who were making, you know, like who were also making refrigerators, appliances. It's, it's a weird relationship and it's, it's surprising. Like even Lamborghini, do you hear about this? Even Lamborghini is getting on board. Mm-mm. Yeah. Lamborghini. No, I haven't heard. <laughs> yeah. They're, uh, they're converting some, not all of their production plant, but some departments of it uh, to make make it so they can create surgical mask and then protective plexiglass shields. And you know they have like a a saddlery uh, that just makes the interiors of all these Lamborghinis. Mm-hmm. Even even that group has been repurposed, and instead of making custom interiors, they're making one thousand masks a day. And then they're also using 3D printers to make 200 medical shields uh, there in the carbon fiber production plant at their R&D department. Oh, wow. Awesome. Which is pretty, pretty crazy, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ford is, you know, we were bragging about Tesla or giving them their due a little bit in the beginning of this episode. We should also point out that Ford is uh, increasing production of general electric healthcare ventilators. So they were already making these, so it's a little bit different, but they want to make an extra 50,000 ventilators in the next 100 days. Uh, I got to say, I am pretty pretty impressed with this. Definitely. It's also nice to see that in an era where manufacturing is becoming more and more specialized and there are tighter and tighter tolerances to many manufacturing processes that the term manufacturing is manufacturing still holds true in some cases. I don't think that car companies and other big manufacturers get enough credit for just pushing out tons of product to the public on a constant and consistent basis. And that alone is a giant feat that often goes overlooked, just the constant reproduction of components and parts and full-on products that are just ultra consistent. And during times like this, when manufacturers can just up and change it up, shows you that modern manufacturers can pretty much make anything with a little bit of retooling and some direction or some engineering from more specialized companies like GM is teaming up with Ventec Life Systems to make their ventilators. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the, that's the company they've brought on to help them with the specialized 
aspect of making ventilators, but obviously all the manufacturing and things like that, GM has a really good handle on that kind of thing just because they make cars and cars have tons of different systems in them. Yeah, I mean, that's a really good point. Even a Luddite like me knows that we're moving increasingly toward the era of the connected car, right? The autonomous vehicle and stuff. And there's so much uh, hardware and software that goes into that kind of endeavor it it naturally can transfer to other sophisticated computer systems, you know? So mm-hmm. it, so again, the, the thing, I don't know about you, man, but the thing that baffles me about this is first off, we, you and I growing up, uh, we've been, uh, we, we've been around to see uh, the glory days and the tough times for the big three manufacturers and, you know, we've seen times where people in the media are reporting like massive layoffs and, you know, insert company here is just too slow to adapt to the time and to adapt to consumer demands. Having seen all that news growing up and, you know, even in, in recent years, I remain astounded by how quickly someone can say, let's take this gigantic thing and make it do something that appears from the outside completely different. So if you are working with these companies, uh, if you are a member of their family, uh, you know, whether you're Lamborghini, whether you're Ford, whether you're GM, whether you're Tesla, what have you, uh, hats off to you. Uh, this Definitely. is, this is a powerful thing. Yeah. And it's impressive. Um, and I guess, you know, for now, uh, that, that feels like, that feels like our show, huh? I mean, I think we've we've looked into World War II. If you want more information on that, by the way, check out uh, some of our World War II episodes in the Car Stuff feed. Uh, we dive into we dive into a couple stories there in depth. One other thing that I wanted to give a shout out to, as it relates to these car manufacturers that are jumping in and helping out where they can, is their ability to just stop on a dime and assess the situation, see what needs to be done, and to rework their operations to be able to do it. Um, We're going to look back and we're going to probably see some things that could have been done better. However, when it comes to the private sector and having to make um, probably what for them are very difficult choices, you know, they are probably looking into the future and trying to see things for what they are, yet what needs to be done right now probably does not align with what they see down the road, but they still do it. And that I know that that's got to be a tough thing to do, yet they probably see it as just what needs to be done. It just has been a really quick realignment for these companies to up and start making medical equipment, even though they may be equipped to do it and be provided the resources to do it. Um, when it boils down to it, it's not exactly what they do in the micro term. I mean, this particular challenge right now, it's not exactly like a war where there's a strategy behind it and you have time to ramp up production and you're kind of handed this plan of what the needs would be. This is something that is um, new and the playbook's being written kind of in real time with bad information or incomplete information or information based on models because this is the first time something like this is happening 
in our modern era. Um, so it's just pretty impressive to see everyone jumping on board and making it happen. Yeah. Yep. Agreed. And that brings us to our announcement for today. You know, Kurt, you and I have been, uh, we've been rolling with some changes in what, mm -hmm. uh, what people have been describing as a new normal. And as we pivot uh, and as we look at our own manufacturing output, uh, <laughs> to, to keep the theme consistent, uh, we're going to be bringing car stuff to a hiatus, uh, just for the foreseeable future. Now, Scott, Kurt, and I are all doing well, uh, and there, you don't need to be, uh, concerned about us. Uh, we are still, we are still busy bees. This is a learning experience for all of us. Uh, and probably many of us listening in the audience today have had to drastically retool uh, our day-to-day -day operations. Uh, we'd like to give a shout-out and a massive thank you uh, to everybody who has tuned in with Car Stuff over the years. We'd also like to, in particular, uh, in this current time, uh, we'd like to give a thank you to all of the gearheads out in the audience like to give a thanks to all of the truckers and people working in the transportation industry keeping these supply chains around when they are very much vital uh in in a very real way uh you are on the front lines of this uh and we cannot thank you enough but that's my attempt to thank you yeah yeah definitely um i'd like to echo what ben said as well um Ben, it's been a pleasure working with you and with Scott on Car Stuff and putting the show out to the Car Stuff faithful out there. And um, I'd like to say also thanks for, you know, sticking with us through all the bumps in the road and while we were trying to get our wits about us. And everyone just uh, keep on keeping on and we'll keep it moving down the road as well. Agree, Kurt. And, you know, until then, uh, you know, keep the uh, keep the rubber side on the bottom and then we'll uh, we'll see you up the road. Thanks for listening, everyone. Car Stuff is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Hey there, it's Ryan Seacrest for Safeway. Head in store and shop for all your favorite personal care essentials to earn four times rewards points. Shop for products from Olay, Always, Gillette, Vicks, and Crest. Plus, check out new items like Mr. Clean Magic Eraser Ultra Thick Multi-Surface Cleaner. No more sponges or other cleaning products needed. And Head & Shoulders Bare Soothing Hydration Shampoo, a new kind of anti-dandruff shampoo with only nine ingredients. Offer expires March 26. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary. Visit Safeway.com for more details. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts.